All right, welcome to this edition of Pointcast. Thank you so much for joining us. In studio, we have Miss Ariane. And I'll have you say your last name because I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> it's Ariane Chusa. Okay, Chusa. see, I don't know. It's so simple. It's difficult. It's the American tongue. Yeah. That's all I can do. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And for the record, we always interview active voters, but you are not a voter at Mm-mm. all. So this is going to be a real interesting show for us. Um, and you're not an active voter because you are an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your immigrant story, status, your history? Tell us about where you're from. Sure, sure. I'm from Rwanda. Mm-hmm. It is a tiny country in, I want to say, East West Africa. I'm not oh. good at geography, <laughs> but I know <laughs> it's a small country. Uh, anytime I mention it, you know, you it, all really anybody knows is to reference the movie Hotel Rwanda. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and, and you know, I understand. Um, but we came here when I was 11 years old mm-hmm. and I'm 28 now. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely been a lot of years of living here and sort mm-hmm. of like losing my accent. And I know I don't sound like I'm African, but, but I am, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I definitely, definitely had to adjust a lot of things about myself to sort of thrive and succeed in mm-hmm. this world. Well, tell us about what it was like when you came here at 11. Where did you all first live? Mm. Yeah, we actually all lived in Georgia. Okay. All lived in Georgia. I went to um, Sandy Springs Elementary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was difficult for all of us to get the refugee status we needed mm-hmm. in Georgia. And then we knew some friends, some of my members that were um, in South Bend, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of, we, we traveled down to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And sort of, we kind of got the ball rolling on all those things. And there were definitely some r- rough years of sort of all of us being in a homeless shelter and mm. on Section 8 housing and wow. kind of having to adjust because in Rhonda, you know, my parents were both at the top of their field. My dad worked in the government. My mom worked at the number one bank in the country. Mm-hmm. We had we had na- we had a nanny. We had drivers to take us to school and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And it was like a really like just jumping into cold water to come here wow. and be homeless. No, my parents are working at Burger King overnight and stuff, and wow. you know all wow. of that. So it was huge change and really kind of made me. I mean, all of those things really shaped how I look at the world today. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for mm-hmm. the hard times. So how long did it take for you all to receive refugee status, or did you? Um, yes. So we moved to South Bend in November of twenty. No. 2002 okay 2002 and I would say six to eight months it took to at least be able to apply for section eight housing so I'm assuming and like I mean for me too as a child I didn't really really know what was going on Mm -hmm. I just saw that we did have a really hard time and then things were easier so Mm -hmm. that's when like sort of those things switched I remember like citing my name on the social security card and Mm -hmm. all those things yeah, so it took a while. And then to have my official green card, I didn't get that till I was about 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so to Americans who don't know that process or don't know the significance of a green card, what did that mean to you? I'm actually really glad you asked me that because I did want to talk about that because you, uh, right now in all the debates about immigration and who gets to come here and like the wall and all of that, you have a lot of people who think they mean well and they're like, just do it legally. Just just come here, fill out these papers, and then you know, don't don't criminalize the. And it's it's so wrong to me because what it actually is. So first of all, uh, people that move to America to escape pain 
and horror in their own country. So you do, there's already this huge mass of feelings about it, of mm-hmm. fear. You know, you don't speak the language. Right. You know, mm-hmm. everybody looks at you a certain way because, you know, there's a certain kind of immigrant that's mm-hmm. welcomed versus another kind of immigrant that is not welcomed. Now, what do you mean by that when you say that? Well, let's do it. You know, so <laughs> if you are European, if you are from the Netherlands or Swedish or whatever, I think that is an easier process for you than if you are like me mm. or if you are from another country where you, you know, where you're brown, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so you, you think about this. You, you, you are here. You don't speak the language. You have no money. You, it's your, you and your kids and your whatever. You're, right. Everybody's hungry and tired. Mm-hmm. You miss your country, but you got to succeed here. You're all these things. And so then they make it harder. You have to have a lawyer or mm. know how to read all the things that they talk about. You have to have somebody help you with that. You have to pay all those people. Right. I was going to ask, how did you all afford a lawyer? Now, <laughs> I, I'm not, I mean, I was a kid, so I don't know right, what happened, right. but I okay. know now I know the process. If I just myself as an adult were to fill out the process just to file it, it's about $700. Wow. That's without having someone help me. Mm-hmm. And then I have to take a test. So this is why I almost, in my heart, I just get so angry about this. You have to know, like, I remember I looked at these tests, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't speak the language. You have to learn the history of America. You have to know the first 13 states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I remember there's a booklet. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's such a hard process. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that's why people really celebrate it when they get it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one of my close family members, a cousin, um, their dad, you know, very recently, a few years ago, it was like a whole photo album on Facebook, like got my citizenship mm-hmm. because it's such a big deal right. and it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And I just think that anybody who thinks that they're being helpful when they say that, mm-hmm. become a lawyer mm-hmm. and then do it for free <laughs> and help people. <laughs> that is how you're going to help right. because just telling somebody to just do it the legal way is just, it's not, you're not understanding what all, all that goes into well particularly when you're talking about situations like yours and coming from rwanda i want to hit on where you were going but let's mm-hmm. quickly just review that i don't mm-hmm. want us to, to miss why sure. you all left rwanda so it wasn't on holiday no 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 <laughs> so, um no, so no, no. T- tell us what the atmosphere was like for you and your family and for others in rwanda at the time when you all left Sure. Uh, so these are all things that I've pieced together over the years because mm-hmm. like as I was experiencing it, I had no idea what was happening. I mm-hmm. just knew that one moment we were um, we had actually had been like in my grandparents town mm-hmm. for somebody's funeral in our family. Mm-hmm. And then that night, my mom is shaking me awake and she's like, we got to go right now. We got to go. We got to go. And I just thought we're going home or something. I didn't understand the panic. And I'm on a plane and now I'm like in a different place. And I just, you know, it definitely freaked me out. And so over the years, what I've learned about this and specifically what our family went through. So the climate in Rwanda at the time that we were leaving was sort of heading more towards peace. Mm-hmm. I say, I'd say right now, Rwanda is one of the most peaceful countries in Africa right now. Mm, okay. You know, um, and at the time it was, I mean, the war ended, officially ended in 1994, of mm-hmm. course, but there's a lot of like rebuilding, a lot of just... I say rehab for the whole country, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so in that time, my parents, they had actually gone to school in Russia. Okay. So a lot of people from, that's like a huge cultural thing where you had, if you're a Tutsi, because mm-hmm. of the whole, we, that, that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, the, Do you know your ethnicity? Mm-hmm. Oh, so what is your ethnicity? So, this is why it's a different podcast, because it doesn't actually matter. It does Because okay. it is more of a station in life than a physical, this is your tribe, okay. then this is your... Because other countries have that. Mm-hmm. If you go to Nigeria, there's a million tribes, a million genealogies, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. In Rwanda, the tribes are more of like, this is where you're at in life. You can marry to another tribe. You could 
all that. So colonialism, all of that, like I said, different podcasts. <laughs> um, but so really with my parents having had gone to school in Russia, and that's actually where I was born. You were born in Russia. I was okay, born in Russia. So your family's from Rwanda, but you're born in Russia. I am. And now yeah. you're in America. And okay. now I'm in America, right. global. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and uh, so right at that moment when we had to leave, uh, my father was working in a position in government where he was kind of overseeing architecture of schools. Mm-hmm. So a really high position. And mm-hmm. so I don't know all the details on this yet either, but I know there was a lot of rumors about embezzling and everything like that. And under my father, we were at home and he was taken to jail. Like he, mm-hmm. it was very violent. It was very rough for the whole family. We all didn't know what was going to happen. Right. The next time we saw him, he was thin and had a huge beard and he was very traumatized and you know, scared my siblings. And then I remember having a party to celebrate his return. Mm-hmm. And then at the party, they came to take him again. And oh, so wow. I remember my family, we, we all felt, well, again, me as a kid, I didn't, I was just scared. But I know the adults in my family felt like if it, if he was taken to jail again, he would be killed. Mm-hmm. And that is when the process started for him to immigrate and all of us to come after. And so it was a, it was a very long and rough journey. Mm-hmm. And, I, again, did not know what was happening. I mean, I was, I spoke um, our language mm-hmm. What is French. your language? So is it just French? What are other languages that are spoken? Uh, at the time, so French was, because like, because it's Belgium that mainly colonized But, but that's your colon, yeah, it's your colonization mm-hmm. language. But what are the other languages that are spoken? Uh, it's called Itinyarwanda. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I spoke. And we came here and they were like, go to fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> go to ESL classes and uh, make friends with the American children. And it was a really, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really rough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, but it's all been part of my life experience and everything. And so now you've been here for, since you were 11 and you're 28 mm-hmm. now. So, mm-hmm. okay. So you've been here a long time. A long time. long time. Do you consider yourself to be an American? I do not. You do not? Are I you not. seeking out American citizenship? I am not. And it is honestly mostly a personal pro- protest against how hard it is. Mm. I personally know that I could do it. Mm-hmm. I could take that test in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I could fill out the things myself. I could probably raise the money to pay for that, mm-hmm. you know, but I just think it's so wrong of the way that we look at it and the way that we decide who's worthy or not mm-hmm. to be here. I was on, uh, I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> I was on Tinder. <laughs> I was on Tinder and I matched with a guy whose profile said uh, Mexicans for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I that's only, funny to you. That's so funny, to, that me? funny to you. I 100% swipe right just so I could talk to him to be like, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> with your life? And then he went off and he's like, blah, blah, blah. We, we do have to control who comes to this country. People are criminals, blah, blah, blah. My family were allowed to come here because they were doctors. They could provide some to society. And I was so horrified. Like, that is the worth. Is that what we're thinking? That people's lives are worth what they can do and what they can bring? Mm. I mean, I don't think America is this like dying resource that you can, only only some of us can have it, you know. <laughs> and I think it's I, I just I just got incensed. Of course, I nothing happened <laughs> with that guy often uh, there. Nothing just want to go on the record to say here, oh, okay, I, thought, I did not. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know if he was Mr. Right. That not. was just a conversation <laughs> that needed to happen. Um, so you've been in this country for a while and you've had your own personal journey mm-hmm. uh, from the time you were in fifth grade and <laughs> established yourself. Mm-hmm. So, but tell us from, from now to that point, what's mm-hmm. happened in between to get you to where you are today? Sure. So I, uh, 
I would say at the age of 19, I experienced homelessness. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to sort of see how people treat you when you are a certain race and you are in certain need. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've gotten to also experience that going through Job Corps, Mm -hmm. which was for educational purposes. And uh, Job Corps is a fertile trade school all around the country. You, you know, you go in, you you get your plumbing license, your CNA license. Mm-hmm. I got to get my LPN license. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a really great thing, I think, because it's it's a it's an associate's degree, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so, the the thought behind Job Corps is to you, know, you have these underdeveloped teenagers, young adults, uh, mm-hmm. sixteen to twenty four mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. you know to apply, mm-hmm. and you give them these skills and mm-hmm. these certifications, and they go out and they succeed. And mm-hmm. that's supposed to be what it is, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what you have in this system, and again, in the homeless system, is the staff that come to work for these things. Mm-hmm. A lot of times are people who are just doing a job, just to do a job, mm-hmm. and they don't see how their own preconceived notions of how people are, their mm-hmm. own personal biases, mm-hmm. ruin lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. wow. I've watched people lose opportunities because the, the staff member in question is racist mm-hmm. and is instigating situations and is treating somebody who is you know a, a black kid from uh, new york who's been on the streets versus someone like me mm-hmm. like oh but but you're not ghetto ariane like you and then so just something like that that would always just fill me with anger because mm-hmm. now you have the 16 year old that is angry at the world yes mm-hmm. has an attitude doesn't want to follow rules doesn't want to tuck in his shirt okay mm-hmm. Your job as the adult is to still make sure you do all you can to have that kid have what he can do, like uh, the skills he can gain in life to help him. How are you able to plug into that frustration coming from a totally different country and um, obviously coming here, you're a woman of color, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's not so much that, but plugging in and understanding uh, that particular frustration. Mm-hmm. What was it that, was it being homeless? What was it, was it something else? What was it in particular that caused you to, to get it. Hmm. I really think that that is what it was because mm-hmm. uh, when we were all homeless together as a family, we were in a shelter, I got to experience how the, con- the I don't even know how to call it, the concept of Africans being racist towards black people here, mm. black Americans. Mm-hmm. And it is something, I mean, I've seen some like, you know, comedians talk about it because it is a thing that can be made fun of. Mm-hmm. But I think there is some truth to Africans that immigrate or just Africans in other countries having this view that is very much shaped by how white people narrate what black people are. How, why <laughs> do you think, why do you think that is? I mean, you know, you, you have people coming here they're in need mm-hmm. or whatever their reason or they immigrate have a, a totally different immigration story mm-hmm. than you why do you think that exists why do they buy the uh, racist narrative against african americans uh, it's easier I, I i think for me i think if i were to sort of try to understand that mindset it is easier because it helps me stand out right mm-hmm. if if that's how i thought if mm-hmm. i thought you know, I'm African and my choices are limited, but like, oh, they think I'm a better kind of black <laughs> then, <laughs> then yeah, then let me do that. And then let me buy into that. Let me like act from that. And mm-hmm. that is what I saw my parents doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand because I felt like it was just everybody being mean for no reason, <laughs> you know, and, and that's how I grew up. And, and that's how, that's what I think. I, I think that there's a lot of great debates from about different mindsets of things. I had a great debate with my friend. Um, we went to school together. We graduated mm-hmm. from the nursing school together. She's, she's black as well. And then I was staying with her in the city and we're talking about how when I go to a library, mm-hmm. I don't want to see 
a shelf labeled the urban fiction or urban urban section, mm-hmm. urban literature. Mm-hmm. I I actually really despise that. I want those books to be mixed in with all the other kind of books. Like mm-hmm. I I don't need to know that I have to go to a different room to get books mm-hmm. written by black people. Mm-hmm. And then my friend, she's like, well, actually, I need that because I need to know that we're highlighting. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's this difference that. Different perspectives. Yeah. So, like, it just taught things like that. And also, again, like, all my experiences have really helped me sort of get a feeling for what it's like on all sides of this great debate of of, of I'm a person of color and I matter in this world. Right, you know? right. So you've really protested against that, it sounds like, with your family dynamic and how they wanted to see themselves in this new country and mm-hmm. how they wanted you to see yourself. Mm-hmm. And you've gone a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have this this journey that you've been on. So you became a nurse. Mm -hmm. And um, did that sit well with your family? Becoming a nurse? Yes. Uh, I'm well. Yes. The the profession is, you know, taking care of people and making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Perfect. (laughs) Um, I also just sort of come from a, a family that is very strict on you know and in a lot of ways has been abusive in the past Mm -hmm. and so sort of my whole thing with nursing was that i'm like i got a nursing degree and it's like well a real nurse has a bachelor's degree (laughs) go back to school and just get that and i'm Mm -hmm. like just go grab another degree mom is that what i should do (laughs) just go is there a store degree (laughs) store so no i mean on a on a personal note just i I know for me it was rewarding Mm -hmm. but yeah but you're both your parents are highly educated my highly intelligent highly educated and and they've had to be a lot of times my parents both speak several languages mm-hmm. i would i could even i've tried to list them i think at least five for each mm-hmm. languages you know and they went they were young you know my mom was 23 when i was born they were very young when they had to go and get a degree in a different language that to go to russia mm-hmm. be like the only black people in all that snow <laughs> and polar bears <laughs> whatever else is happening in russia and get a degree and mm-hmm. bring that back and be successful mm-hmm. and somehow keep their mental health intact which i would you know go as far as to say that 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 part didn't happen did you think you suffered any sort of trauma through all of the transitions that you and your family experienced coming to this country and being where you are today and if so how have you dealt with that i would say yes i definitely for sure have um have allowed myself to understand that I can I can be kinder to myself because these things were not easy to deal with as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, uh, born in Russia, my grandmother raised me for two years while my parents were still there. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely. Oh, and then during a the genocide, we we spent time in, in Switzerland. Okay. So I at, at a very young age spoke Russian, our language and French. Mm-hmm. And so I was always very confused. Mm-hmm. I stuttered a lot. <laughs> and um excuse me, just sort of having this confusion in my mind over this is an adult that's talking to me, I have to respond and do it well and be perfect and which language should be better. And just having all that panic and anxiety make me not be able to speak mm-hmm. and um, kind of work through it. And then so in the years that we were living sort of well in Rwanda and I was going to school and I had friends that kind of worked itself out, mm-hmm. but it kind of got shocked back into me when we came back, to, when we came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So when I was 11, my stutter came back really badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was your emotional response mm-hmm. to 
to that, have you ever received any support or counseling or anything for that? I have not. I actually just really watched a lot of TV with subtitles and <laughs> learned how Americans talk mm-hmm. by force <laughs> for hours. I watched a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> a lot of Angel, a lot of these right, movies right. that were on TV that summer, especially that first summer in 2002 when, when I first came here, mm-hmm. and I uh, read a lot of books too, mm-hmm. and sort of just kind of, I don't know, I, I would talk really fast mm-hmm. to like get through the sentence. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think I just, as time went on and I got more comfortable with having this new language, which English was a really easy language to learn. I learned English in a few weeks, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I would say by the age of 13 or 14, people would say they didn't, they're surprised to know I'm mm-hmm, African. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is what I put a lot of energy into. I will speak the way these people speak. <laughs> no one will make fun of me ever, you know. And, right, right. English yeah. can be easier. So, yeah, Russian was harder for me. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know two words of Russian. And that's it. <laughs> I guess we can't speak then. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. What do you want people when they when we talk about your particular immigration story and right now the immigration story that's that's um, primarily promoted mm-hmm. is one that um, is showing images of people fighting their way across the border, mm-hmm. coming from places like uh, Venezuela, Guatemala. They, mm-hmm. They're trying to come here for, ver- for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. We don't see a lot of people that um, are considered bad, not looking like mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm. When, when we're talking about immigration, what would you want elected officials, even though I know you're not in a position to vote, what mm-hmm. would you like for them to understand about the struggle that uh, one has to go through to just get to this country, to get to the point where you are with a green card and working status. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I just like to anybody to anybody like that in a deposition or anybody really listening to think about what it's like to to see where you, like, you know, you can you can take a guest to where you were born right now. You can take a guest to where you had your first whatever, your mm-hmm. your first kiss. This is where I went to kindergarten. This is where I broke my knee. Whatever. You you have such history in where you live. Mm-hmm. Right? And then to think about having to drop all of that and wanting to because you you have that much need of safety for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To think about going to a whole new country where you have no idea how you'll be received. You have no idea... Uh, you know how long it takes for you to make the language you know you you think about the job you have now you're a doctor you're a veterinarian you have your own hair you have your own things you know you have to go to go there and mop some floors and and do you know and it's it's horrible Mm -hmm. people i i would go as far as to say as like people don't want to leave their countries Mm -hmm. people want to be safe Mm -hmm. what can can americans i'm sorry to jump in there but what can just the average american do or understand when we're talking about um, people that have gone through what you're going through. And mm. if people are so afraid of mm-hmm. the crime that they're told follows mm. with immigration. Mm-hmm. If As immigration rises, crime rises. That's mm-hmm. the story that Americans are being told. So uh, even like your friend, the Mexicans for Trump, they <laughs> feel like, <laughs> okay, it's not your strong friend. word. <laughs> feel like they have to make an even stronger stance Mm. for those Mm. you know uh, to show that they get it Mm. Uh, but what are they missing besides you know it's it's one thing to to have all that history in a country but just what are they missing on the human level so i'm glad you actually ended on human level because what it is right i saw a post i want to say it was by eric trump but i'm not sure it was definitely somebody who's up there in that 
world Mm -hmm. who said if you knew that two skittles in this whole bowl of skittles are poisonous would you take a handful and eat them Mm -hmm. and then that is how he explains that and to me it's like well we're not skittles bro (laughs) like we're we're people (laughs) you know we are people and really i just think that if we're going to go as far as to say you know we're going to be strong we're going to be strong on immigration because anybody coming here has a chance of being a criminal then are we doing anything about the criminals that are here right now are we sending them out anywhere are we are we we treating them less than human of course the answer is yes we are but Mm -hmm. only if they are a certain kind of people (laughs) right and that's that's (laughs) i uh, i I heard that someone who is irish Mm -hmm. wanted so badly to just go back to Ireland and they went to ICE mm-hmm. and asked to be deported and said I'm here illegally my visa ran out six whatever months ago whatever and they were not taken because uh. that is not who Americans want out of this country mm-hmm. and so do you do you think that's you're basically saying that the immigration policy is racist yes racist against race against if you are any shade of brown Mm-hmm. And if you are perce- because you are then perceived as other whiteness is seen as the neutrality of humanness and everyone else is other. Mm-hmm. And that, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. That is horrible. Then why do so many people um, come here of other ethnicities? If, if we know that, mm-hmm. if people know that, mm-hmm. then why do people come here and be here as long as you have been? Because what America has always sold to everyone is the American dream. Mm-hmm. And that is for me, that's another thing that I for sure, I hope that in the in, in my life I get to be able to be part of the work to dismantle this. Mm-hmm. But where, where I'm from in Rwanda, mm-hmm. I was, I'm very lucky that my family is affluent. Mm-hmm. My, my grandfather is a famous sculptor. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually had Clinton at his, like there's a picture of him shaking hands with, with President Clinton <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> so my grandfather is very rich mm-hmm. in Rwanda. He has mm-hmm. businesses, all that stuff. My my father grew up rich. Mm-hmm. We, when I, like I told you when I was growing up, I had the whole, you know, mm-hmm. and, but there's a, there's a class system. There's mm-hmm. a, there are people who are born knowing that they are going to die being servants. You wow. know, there, mm-hmm. you, you, and so that's, there was no way to work your way out of poverty in your country. Unless you have yeah. connections or you're lucky or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that too is a privilege because in places like India, mm-hmm. if you're a certain caste, you will stay that caste. Like mm-hmm. you, people in third world countries, I think we do too much of caring about wealth and how, who, we ma- how it makes you worthy of just regular humanness as, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, the American dream does kind of fight that and say, if you want it, you mm-hmm. can have it. You just have to like work for it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that has been twisted in a way that is like people, people want to come here from from where they're at to feel safe because they think you know laws and, mm-hmm. and everything is televised basically no mm-hmm. one's gonna hurt me no mm-hmm. one's gonna come bomb the you know my house or mm-hmm. all of that right and then also i think there's a level to it too of like well if i come here and i know that i'm gonna you know mop enough floors my child will one day be a doctor you mm-hmm. know even mm-hmm. though back in my country my child will probably just so it's it's all those thoughts and i think that american dream and that false security mm-hmm. that you know that, that we sell to people that is why people come here and want to make it here before we end out um you're a poet and i, I want to understand how all of this flows into your chosen art form mm. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I would say for me, poetry at this point in my life, I'm doing a lot with 
understanding that my vulnerability makes me strong. Mm -hmm. And so I focus a lot on being honest in my poetry. And if something is scary to me or feels, makes me feel things, I work with that Mm because it's telling me something, Mm -hmm. you know? So I definitely do a lot of sensual poetry for just for myself as a bigger woman. And Mm -hmm. I put that out in the world. And I want to know that someone's going to look at that and know that they can sing that song they wanted to sing or paint that painting or wear Mm -hmm. that shirt that they wanted to wear and just keep like I'm what I I protest I protest fakeness Mm -hmm. and 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 falsehood and just pretending to be something you're not Mm -hmm. and so I just do my best to do it through poetry and through and just let it grow from there last question if you were able to vote for the presidential election Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people running on the Democrat side of course we only have our incumbent on the Republican side Mm -hmm. is there anybody out there that interests a person who's walked in your shoes who stands out to you? And if it's no one, that's okay. No, 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 there is. Because I do think there are people who are good leaders at things specifically because they don't want to be, because mm-hmm. they know how hard mm-hmm. it is and mm-hmm. what you have to I have to juggle. Mm-hmm. So I would say for me, Michelle Obama is a really, would be, I would love to know. I would work hard to get my citizenship so I can vote for <laughs> Michelle Obama. Unfortunately, she's not running, but I, yeah. But, I, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's that same mindset because right. she knows what it takes and what it's going to do for her right, and, what right. it, and what she'll have to, and just all the years of grace and mm-hmm. beauty she just have she just radiated mm-hmm. while being attacked for the everything you mm-hmm. know I, I mean just their outfits what they do is she she's showing her arms oh she's not is she too good like she can't be casual she can't <laughs> relax oh she oh her hair like every single thing about her she had to wake up in the morning and know that every single thing she says or does will be discussed and to just still do that and still be a good mom like mm-hmm. that to me is such so, such power so i would definitely vote for Michelle Obama. Yeah, well, well hopefully that uh, mm. from from your mouth to God's ears. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. If she ever ran, she would definitely have your vote, right? For sure. <laughs> yep, that is. Okay, Ariane, I like to um, end our show with a poem that you wrote inspired by your experiences mm-hmm. leaving your home country, living in other countries, and then coming to the United States. Yes. Okay. So, sorry, but my poem is actually just about my grandmother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I is my favorite poem to share at, with something in this topic because I get to use words from my language in it. Awesome. You know, awesome. And, and so that's really kind of where I focus on sort of like what my grandmother means to me in growing up. Awesome. awesome. And and uh, if you do want to ask me, I do. I do have some notes in there that no, no, no. let's talk won't. about your grandmother let's sure. and she's okay. obviously been a huge impact since mm-hmm. she raised you mm-hmm. for the first couple of years of your life mm-hmm. so please <clears throat> without further ado mama mukuru literally translates to bigger mother although in her case grandmother fits her the best because my grandmother is a treasure she has always celebrated me they tell me that when she first saw my round cheek infant self she exclaimed over my chubbiness the thickness of my ankles the darkness of each of my feather curls and she nicknamed me kiwuchi now that translates to cute fat baby a state i continue to live in is it any wonder it's the only name my family knows my grandmother raised me to be strong open She would shave my hair down because she believes that children grow best when fresh air, nutritious sunshine can blow directly into their brains. Spending that hour with her buzzing over me was a gentle time. 
And it was immensely more preferable than all the minutes, seconds, hours my mother spent with her fists stuck in the brushes of my hair. When cutting my hair, my grandmother leans close, smells sweetly of church candlelights, and asks me what I'm thinking. When braiding my hair, my mother sits back on the low, heavy couch, one hand hotly gripping my shoulder to stop me from jerking, the other dragging a cold and sharp tooth comb up through my tangles. She smacks her lips, says she has no time for this, this being me, my hair loving me, and pours melting chemicals on my head to straighten it. That is it any wonder I felt completely blissful, capable of running miles into the sky, but only during those short summer weeks when I was bald, scalp-free in the wind, and that like an inverse version of Samson, the slow return of those inches sapped in my inner strength the way they invited my mother's attention back to me. My grandmother prays with a strength unknown, an unwavering patience. When she would firmly remind my cousins and I it was time for the nightly rosary circle, I would raise my voice up and whine just like them, but inside I was comforted. To this day, I can think of no other place or feeling as safe and loving as being in that living room with the blue moonlight shining quietly through its open window, curtains waving gently. Warm milk and honey lovingly weigh me down from my middle. Her deep, melodious Catholic chants plume me to a sleep so mellow, so enveloping. Is it any wonder I relish the company of grand parents? Mama Mukuruwanye, grandmother of mine, is it any wonder I also aspire to be a grandmother? That's my poem about my grandmother. Wow, wow. Such a beautiful story to have about your grandmother. Thank you so much for sharing that very mm -hmm. intimate poem with us. 